can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror. Be your best you and do you and be you at all times. Awesome. Welcome to another episode of the Karen Janine podcast, where we're having another candid conversation around the kitchen table. Tonight's topic is one that I find to be very, very near and dear to my heart because I've been there. I've done that and I'm still recovering from it. But tonight we are going to be talking about why do women find it hard to ask for help? So I have two wonderful guests here with me, Melanie and Camille, who will be joining in the conversation. So we will just jump right in. So the first question I have is, why do you find it hard to ask for help? Or maybe you haven't found it hard to ask for help, but what have you found beneficial in asking for help if you don't find it hard to ask for help? I find it extremely hard to ask for help. The main reason is embarrassment. I grew up where everyone comes to me for help. If they need resources, they come to me. If they need encouragement, they come to me. Um, whatever they need, they come to me. So when I was going through and I needed help, I found it extremely hard. So I chose to suffer in silence for a long time because of embarrassment and because of fear. So that's good. So got a follow-up question, right? So I'm listening to your um, experience and feeling that embarrassment because everybody came to you for help. Was it your perception that you were going back to those same people for help? For me, it was more so looking, asking for help. To me, I looked vulnerable. I looked weak. I no longer had all the answers. You know, so it, it put me in a vulnerable type situation or I felt vulnerable. I felt embarrassed, like, wow, everyone comes to me for help. And now I'm in need of help and I'm ashamed or embarrassed to ask for help. I grew up in a Christian home, um, grew up in a church. A lot of it was that because, again, everyone, everyone sees male. That's my nickname. They see a pillar of strength. And then when I went through, to, when I was going through two years ago, a horrible divorce, I chose to suffer in silence because I was embarrassed. I didn't want to look weak. So when, when I went on and put on my makeup, I put on my smile, but on the inside, I was suffering and I suffered the consequences of that uh, drastically. So can you talk a little bit about, are you still in that space or when you did find your way navigating through that space, what were some of the things that helped you to be able to move from that, okay, I felt embarrassed because everybody comes to me, to now what was that next thing or what was that thought? I felt, I got to a point where I just felt physically drained. I felt it in my body. I felt mentally and emotionally drained. And I was sitting, I'll never forget, it was maybe a year ago. I was sitting here in my living room and I just sat down and I said three words. I said, Lord, I need help. 
And from there, for me acknowledging and just admitting that I need help, and then I took it a step further, I actually reached out is when I was rescued. So I mean, that that was a that's a powerful statement to get in a position and say, you know what, I need help and acknowledge that. And once I acknowledge that, it's like the Lord just opened up (laughs) the windows of heaven and put and connected me to who I needed to be connected to and to help pull me out. But it wasn't until I humbled myself and I said, you know what, I need help. And I reached out to somebody that I, I hadn't talked to in years. We we're just Facebook friends. And I shot her an inbox and said, this is what I'm going through. I need help. She connected me to who I needed to be connected to. And the rest is history. I'm here on this podcast because a year ago, I was I was not able, I wouldn't have been able to do this. So needing help is really a sign of strength. Once I realized that is when I my freedom came. Well, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Camille, same question to you. Why have you found it difficult to ask for help? Or if you haven't found it difficult to ask for help, what are some of the things that you do to make it easy for you to ask for help? Okay. Um, and by the way, Melanie, that was a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that too. That, that was great. I guess uh, for me, it, it's a lot of layers. I've always been, I know it sounds cliche, but like a type A personality, they say. And I know how I want things done. And I know how to get them done the way I want them done. So when times have came up in my life where I've needed help, it's almost like Mel was sharing with us. Like sometimes you feel embarrassed, like you, you are the one that people look to to have it all figured out, to have it all together. And another perspective I have about it, too, is that being a woman of color I think from the time we are young we are taught to handle your business and I'm not talking about like our day-to-day business I mean that's one piece of it but you know you aren't we aren't supposed to be out here I guess you can say just maneuvering like willy-nilly we're supposed to you're supposed to get that job you're supposed to go to work you're supposed to make that money. You're supposed to have this life and do all these things in order. And if you ask for help, it's like Mel also was saying, almost like a sign of weakness. Like, oh, you didn't finish that class or you didn't do this group or, and it's just like layers for us, which I think a lot of other women from other cultures, I'm not saying they don't go through it, but we, it's just entrenched us to, to just be our own rock because you never know, you know, you better get out there and make it happen. So second part of that, to make it easier, just due to some personal things in my life, personal health things, I've had to ask for help. It's almost like I haven't had an option because if I don't, whatever this situation is, I need, it's not going to get done. It's a very humbling experience when you start reaching out for help. And don't feel, and you know, don't feel bad about asking for help because I mean, we're all human, right? Another cliche, we're all human, but we are, we're not, we're not super women. So if you've got to reach out, do that. So that's my perspective on it. That is awesome. Thank you both for sharing. And both of your stories, you mentioned having that thought of or that perception that you had to be strong. It was no other option. You had to be strong. It was entrenched in you to be strong. Was that a perception that people put on you or was that a perception that you developed from just internalizing some things? Because both of you said, I was the person to come to for help, right? And when it came time for me to ask for help, I felt these things, embarrassment, shame, guilt, like I could only do it, you know, the best. Where did that perception come from? For me, I could say maybe a little bit of both, but more so um, from the different roles that I carry in life, in my life, a social worker, um, uh, you know, a minister, (laughs) 
I'm, I have a twin sister. I'm the older twin. So it's, it, I think for me, it's a little bit of both for me because I'm like Camille. I'm very introverted. Also, I, well, I'll say I used to because I'm different now, <laughs> but I used to care about what people thought of me. I didn't want to disappoint people and I wanted to live up to people's expectations of me, but it was at my own expense. It was at my own expense. And this la these last two years have taught me that it's not my responsibility to live up to anyone else's expectations. So I think that's huge as women that we, it's not our responsibility to live up to anybody's expectations. But for me, I want to say it's a little bit of both. I was trying to live up to everybody else's expectations. And, and two, it was probably during my development. So do you mind if I just kind of dig a little bit deeper for our listeners because I really want them to consider like their own experiences and maybe some of the things that you know that may get them past or over the hump when you say that it was the it was living up to expectations were those words that your pastor or in your job and your careers, did they say those specific words? What made you think it was an expectation or what made you know that it was an, an expectation that you now needed to agree to live up to or that you had to, in a sense, subconsciously try to live up to? Oh, that's a deep question. It was comments, and I wouldn't say my pastor, but it was just in general comments. Go to Mel. She knows everything. Mel will be able to direct you. Mel will pray for you. Mel is, is strong. Um, if you're having any issues, go to Mel. Or again, if you have any questions, go to Mel. Uh, so comments like that. It, it, it's in my personal life life as well as in my work life, even at work, you know, I hear that. And I just somehow internalized it and said, I, and this is just my role. I need to be there for everybody. I need to make sure that I'm helping everybody. But again, it was, it was at my own, to my own detriment, you know, and it wasn't something that I don't think that was done in, in, intentionally as far as other people's part or, or on other people's part, but it was, um, like I said, I have a twin sister and we have never, and I want to say this, we have never been in competition competition with one another. I cheer her on, she cheers me on, but my my twin sister is very um how can I put this? Uh, straight A's. Straight A's her, our whole life. More me C's. <laughs> I was the C girl, but she got straight A's. And so it was a lot. And so it was other people always, you know, kind of compete, you know, we weren't in comp competition with others, but other people, you know, well, your sister is this, what are you doing? And it was always, I felt that pressure to always per perform, you know what I mean? So this is a heavy topic. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Thank you for allowing me to go a little bit deeper. Because again, I want the listeners to be able to identify because sometimes when we say things like the expectation, now hopefully through some of the language that you gave them, which you internalized to become an expectation, they can say, ha, I identify with that. And here's where that expectation came from. I internalized it. And then prayerfully they can take the, you know, the steps to unlearn some of that, whether it's just by, you know, saying no, whether it's just by reaching out and saying, I need help. So thank you for, you know, for allowing me to go a little bit deeper. Mel, do you have anything else, have anything you want to, you know, add to that? That last statement, that when I start to embrace the word no, it was like a newfound freedom. And I don't care. I didn't care what nobody thought. No, I, I'm not available. It was so freeing. I was like, wow, this feels so good. And then to the extra uh, piece for me, don't, 
I, I don't care. You know how how you know if it. I, I just don't care about what you you know what you think because I did it for so long. But the, there is power in saying no. I'm not available. No, I can't do that. No, I'm not going. Um, it was so freeing for me. So, and that just happened. I'm telling you over the past two years, when I went through my own trauma or traumatic experience, and as far as my healing journey, that it is okay to say no. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, it's so freeing to the point where it's like, where have this, where has that word been all my life? Like, what have I been doing? Because like, I always used to be the girl that was there having the gift ready, being available, being at this meeting, doing this, doing that. And then when it came time for me, you know, just going back to, you know, your original topic about needing help and, you know, what do you do? Like the older I get, if I need something, if I need something now, I'm going to ask, you know, because you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm in my late 40s and I call it just the halftime uh, point at the Super Bowl. And I want to make second, second half count and I want to win and I want to be happy and I want to get through this, you know, the best way I can with the Lord's help, with my family's help. And if I need something this time, I'm going to say it, you know, what do they say? Open, with close. I'm probably going to get closed mouth don't get fed right it's just getting comfortable in your skin and i think a lot of it too when we're younger we're afraid to ask for help because like you know mel was saying it's a sign of weakness and i don't know if it's a cultural thing you know taking it back to that but it's like we we gotta be the best we gotta rock out at everything we do you know, that phrase was going around a few years ago. Maybe some people are still use it, being booked and busy. Girl, I'm booked and busy. I'm really, because I'm booked, busy, and burnt out. If you want to keep it 100, we don't have to be booked and busy all the time. Maybe I want to take, maybe I need a time out, a time out to just kind of tune into myself. Maybe I need help with this piece in my life, or that piece, or that part. So let's take a time out and focus on that. A couple things I just want to touch on, or kind of dig a little bit deeper and kind of peel back the layer. A couple times culture like culture have come up in terms of in the black culture women having to be strong or being made to feel like we need to be strong and I remember I worked with um, a young lady and she was older than I was and I've been a person that has always looked to bring out the you know the good in people and I'm always encouraging and motivating and I call myself an amplifier so I'm an amplifier. When I come around, I, I look for ways to amplify people that are around me. And one time she mentioned that the strength of Black women, because she invited me to this event, she was in the travel industry, and she invited me to this event where it was, I think, a, a bunch of Black travel agents. And she was like, it just amazes me the strength that you all have. And I use that as an opportunity to educate her and tell her that it's not the badge of honor that we want to wear. And it's not as glorified as you make it out to be. We don't always want to be strong. Sometimes we just want to cry for no reason or and not have to say what the reason is. We want to, you know, just be able to be open and not always be pressured to perform. I said, so while you may look at it like it's a badge of, you know, honor, it's actually a, um, sometimes to the detriment of who we try to live up to be. And so talk a little bit about, uh, Melanie had mentioned her pastor and like, it's, it's sometimes it's a, it's a Christian thing. Um, and then you, Camille, you had mentioned about, you know, 
it being a cultural thing, just in your other interactions, maybe with other cultures or with other people, have you, do you feel differently not having to feel strong or be strong, right? That's part one. And then the second part to that is when you decided that you were going to ask for help, did you go to, again, the people that were in your close network or did you go outside of that to somebody who may not have expected you to always be strong and you felt comfortable or safe not being strong well i can probably i would like to address the first piece of it but the um going back to the cultural aspect i think we as women of color are almost, I don't want to say made to feel ashamed if we ask for help, but it, it kind of feels that way. Like, why do you need this? Why do you need help with that? Can't you figure it out? Can't you get it on your, get it on your own? Where I feel like other cultures, they don't, it's almost expected they are, that it's okay for them to just freely ask for things that they need or help with. Whereas if I don't have enough A, B, C, or D, well, you better figure out how to do it. That's my perspective on the, that first piece. On, on that second piece, as far as me, as, as, far, as far as myself, I, when I, when I really got to the lowest and I said, I'm, I can either sit here and, con and continue to die spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or reach out. I reached out to somebody I have not talked to in so long. I mean, since high school, but what made me reach out to this person is because we had a similar experience as far as um, what I was going through. And I just happened to, again, again, inbox her and say, hey, this is going on, help. And she, again, put me right into who I needed. She connected me to who I needed to be connected to that helped pull me out. For me, when people look at when I, and I don't go broadcasting, I'm I'm Christian, you know, but it, it is who I am. I guess the, per the perception that some people have about Christians, we're perfect, we're this and we're that, which is so untrue. <laughs> not true but because i think that more so is what made it kind of made it hard makes it hard for me to to reach out because again as a christian woman you're supposed to have all the faith in the world you're supposed to have all of this and have it together um so um i think that was kind of what held me back from asking for help i perfectly leads me into this next part when we first started out both of you indicated that the the transition point for you or kind of like the breaking point it was a point of crisis right it was just like a, a do or die type of thing either i'm gonna have a breakdown or i'm gonna do something or i'm gonna figure you know figure this out on that journey and melanie mentioned this being on a healing journey does your healing journey include a therapist or counselor kind of going again going back to that cultural dynamic and the religious dynamic being a christian how has that either hurt or helped your journey in choosing if you have a therapist because i know in both of those cultures or environment it's not all it hasn't always been well received to have a therapist or a counselor well i think it's a holistic approach i think it, and i'm a christian as well i think all methodologies or all situations can assist with your journey your healing journey uh maybe it requires getting more deep in your faith you know some people are so booked and busy we forget what's at the core at least for chris that is right like you so booked and busy you ain't picked up your bible in like months so getting back to that is so important it, it could include a therapist if you feel that you need that extra piece 
to assist. I think it includes that. I think reaching out more, period, and letting people know what your boundaries are or what you need is helpful. You know, I'm not going to be available for this or this is what I need. Since I'm so busy taking care of this, this, and this, this is what I need. So I think it's a holistic approach. And when I say that, it just includes, it can include all of that. Every, Of course, everybody's different. And some uh, face might, people face might not want to reach out to a therapist or whatnot. But I'm the of the school of thought. There's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, the Bible is the last word for me, but just talking to somebody, why not? So that's that's my thoughts on it. For, for me, um, I, I agree with Camille. From what I can hear, I, I agree with Camille. But for me, mental health counseling was huge for me. Um, I'm old school. I grew up old school where going to therapy was taboo. Reaching out to a mental health uh, counselor was, ta- was not was not really popular back in, in, in my day. For me, reaching out and going to a mental health counselor was huge in my healing journey. And again, it was that. It was me reading books. It was me um, getting linked up to a spiritual women's group, all of that. But at the end of the day, and, I, and I, my pastor is huge on this, go see a mental health counselor because the mental health counselor is going to, it, it helps stabilize this. I don't know if it, when you go through trauma, you're, for me, I was not stable. So for for me to hear words like pray about it, have faith. I, w- I wasn't stable. I, I, that was, I wasn't hearing that. So I needed to be stable mentally. So when I went through my uh, counseling, that helped to stabilize me mentally. So now I can have a spiritual here and hear everything I'm praying for. You need to have faith, all of those spiritual encouragements. But until I became like mentally stable, I wasn't hearing none of that, none, none of it. Again, it's an individual walk, but I am so happy that the Christian community is now embracing mental health more and more every day. And it's huge. That's my take on it. It is. And just before I forget to, I want to add on to it. That was awesome. Like I'm a kid of the eighties and we were taught, you don't, we didn't go to the mental, see, we didn't go see therapists. It was either go lay down and sleep it off, go read your Bible, go maybe write in your journal. Even journal write wasn't that big back then. There wasn't no, there really wasn't any coping mechanism. So that's what's so nice about this generation, that they're embracing it. To, to go, go talk to somebody if you need that. Go talk to your pastor too. I mean, do it all. Whatever helps you, do it. I love that. What I heard and kind of to sum up both of what you, what you said, what I heard is that do what works for you for wherever you are on the journey, um, which I this this conversation is flowing so perfect because it's leading right into each point that I want to without even being prompted. One of the things that I wanted to say being um, being in a space where you do what works for you is also helpful to be in a space where it's okay for you to be okay and for the other person to not be okay. So if you go back to the beginning of this conversation, we talked a lot about we don't ask for help because of what the perception of somebody else may be. So it may make them not okay, right? That I'm not okay. But then what happens is they're okay, but you're not okay. So the more that we can be comfortable and I need to be okay for me and I'm okay that you're not okay with whatever decision or wherever I am and just sit with that and know that that's your journey that you have to work towards but I'm okay being okay and you're not okay 
ultimately we do want to, I mean, we would love to be in a space where you're okay and I'm okay, but it's the concept of when you're on the plane, put your oxygen mask on first. I want to be okay before even concerning myself, so to speak, with whether or not you're okay with the decision that I made for me to be okay. So I just wanted to kind of make that point there. And then a couple other things that before we kind of wrap things up a little bit is what are some of the things just like now knowing what you know and having had your own experience with not asking for help and having a crisis and then working through being in in a position to now be okay with asking for help what do you do to make sure that you don't make other people feel like they have to be strong like they have to be embarrassed about asking for help what are some of those things that you all do well one example one example i can think of and it's 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 kind of a, a sad one, but uh, a good friend of mine had lost um, her grandmother, had passed, and she called me, and that she was horribly upset. And I didn't say a lot, but one of the first things that came out of my mouth was, okay, it's okay. She just started crying. It's okay. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of words around it. You know, we always hear the, you know, so sad for you, so sorry for you, but it was more kind of like I was just giving her an open space to just be. We didn't have to talk a lot at first. Girl, I understand. I, I hear you, girl. So just go ahead and, and let loose and cry if you need to. Share some memories if you want to. Whatever it is, just do that. My, I mean, I, my response, that was perfectly said, Camille. Admitting. If, if I don't, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, um, I don't have a response. I mean, just admitting that you, you don't know, but I'm here for you. I, I'm, you know what I mean? That's, that is so powerful. I don't have to have all the answers. I, it's not my job to have all the answers, but know that I'm here for you. Um, I can help you and meet you where you at, but it's okay if we don't, if I don't have all the answers and me being able to admit that is huge. I think it's huge. Yeah, because it was almost like, it's like giving ourselves freedom giving ourselves an area to just just do what we feel is natural that will help us out because I, I can safely say there we are all powerful women on this 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 chat here we know how to get it done right I know how to write the list out I know how to get the, the check off the, the boxes but when we in this environment girl what do you need you, you need me to pick up some ice cream do you just want to sit and talk about talk about what's on your mind you want me to recommend somebody whatever it is we're gonna figure it out so we can all be be okay also i want to add to that the art of active listening just being silent and letting like you said letting that person vent and do whatever they need to do but just the act of being silent can be so powerful that's awesome stuff holding space right i call that holding space for a person to just be and not feeling like you have to insert something in silence or in a pause. Like we've become so conditioned that there's always something that needs to be said or always something that needs to be going on that when a person gets silent, it's like they call that it was an awkward silence. Well, what made it awkward? Like every moment doesn't need to be filled with something something sometimes it just needs to be a stillness and the other point that i wanted to bring out is when camille said 
sometimes you just need to be. I think as women, we're so focused on becoming that we forget to be. Just in the moment, like what's going on right now? What do you need in this moment? Not what do you need tomorrow or in this moment? What do you need? And if it is just to, you know, sit still, if it is to, you know, just cry or whatever it is, I think it it's also encouraging to know that we don't always have to be in pursuit of becoming. We can just be. And I just can I just add something real quick to um because this is such a powerful discussion. I think this is even a, a wonderful topic for younger, younger people in a space when they're when they're growing and becoming whoever they're going to become because they're afraid to ask, you know, maybe they're not good at something. I know when I was younger, like math was just kind of like, oh, here we go with math. Uh, you know, I wasn't brilliant at it. Sometimes I would be afraid to ask for help. I was decent. I was a C student. But maybe if I had asked more, I could have done better at that. And, you know, eventually, who knows what? I wanted to become a meteorologist. That was my first thing. And I was in third grade. I said, I'm going to become a weather girl. Now, now knowing it's, it's easier because they have computer simulations for all that. But back then, you know, you had to be really good at the math and sciences. But I was always afraid. But, you know, maybe I should have asked for help. So especially with our young kids, we, did, we really need to put that imprint in them. If you need something, ask. Don't be afraid and don't feel a certain way. Because it could really change the trajectory of what happens to them or what they become when they become adults. I'm glad you brought that up. One of the things that I will, I'll say about that, my daughter taught me this a long time ago. In that space of encouraging young people to just be, sometimes we just have to be in the moment with them and not be teaching them or not be oversharing with them. By nature, so let me go back. My mom passed away when I was 24, 25. And I had just had my daughter. So she wasn't, you know, that old. She was maybe one and a half, two. And I felt like I was going to, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I needed my mom. So as I started to raise her, I would dump all of this stuff on her. I want her to know everything. I don't ever want her to feel like she doesn't have something that she needs because I was putting my experience of losing my mom, but yet still feeling like I needed to be mothered onto her. Well, I don't want you to feel like you still need to be mothered if something happened to me. So I'm just going to dump all of you know this. And she said to me one time, plus I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneurship teacher and always business. So a lot of things was always teaching. And she said, everything isn't always a lesson. I don't want to be talked at all the time. And that changed my perspective of how I interacted with her because that prevented her from asking me for help, right? And I'm her mother and I think I'm doing a phenomenal job. Like we're not having problems. We're not having, you know, any, any issues or anything, but that caused me to shift how I interacted with her and how I converse with her. So I say that to say sometimes in our encouragement for young people to just be, 
we need to just be in that moment and not be teaching. That is so, that is so true. I heard this statement. It was so powerful, powerful to me. When we always, I mean, it's good to plan for the future and do all of that. But when we become so consumed and we are so focused on becoming, we actually rob ourselves from the present because we're so focused on planning and future and doing all these things. And what about this? And what about that? That we actually rob ourselves from what's going on now, from enjoying the present. What I need to know now, that is that is so important. And another uh, comment I wanted to make as far as when we don't ask for help, it actually can delay us from reaching our goals. I mean, you know, and I tell my, my cousin this all the time, she hates to ask for help. So she'll go through and try to figure it out on her own. And then when she finally asks for help, it's like things is now a crisis. You know, um, when we don't ask for help and we try to figure it out on our own and all of that, it can actually delay us from meeting or reaching our own goals. Can you just, that's right, Melanie. What a wonderful, what a wonderful statement because you might be wasting a lot of time. Maybe if you tell that person, if you can just give me an hour to maybe think through this or maybe just give me a day so I can, you know, take some time then maybe we can attack whatever we need to attack. But, you know, if you don't ask, you just constantly going, going, or, or maybe you're constantly struggling and you're not getting the help you, you really need or truly need. And it's delayed. Yeah. So a lot of times, and just to add to uh, what both of you ladies have already shared, a lot of times what happens is as we are, in a sense, sometimes grabbing at straws to figure things out. Somebody has, it's over 7 billion people in the world. And even if you just look at your own personal contacts or connections or people in your circle, we all have different experiences. So even though sometimes we're a lot alike, we're still a lot different. So you don't have to make the same mistakes that I've made. Let me help you shorten your learning curve because I've already made the mistakes. And I can say, oh, girl, yeah, this is how you do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you can always make it your own, but you don't have to make those same mistakes because when you just ask for help, and this ties into what Melanie had mentioned when she said that she found somebody who she knew who had gone through a similar situation and wanted to connect to find out how did you get over it? That's really what asking for help is. It's like, hey, I see you know how to, you know, knit a hat. Can you show me how to knit a hat? Or can you knit a hat for me? Like either can you help me or can you do it? Because I don't want to learn how to knit. I'm not a knitter. <laughs> um, and so oftentimes, like Melanie said, like Melanie said, not asking for help will delay us in getting the things that we desire, like living the life that we want to live. And we're wasting, we're in this perpetual state of, in a sense, wasting time because we just won't ask for help. Absolutely. And I feel like, especially, and I know I keep going back to women of color, but, you know, that's a, a large perspective of what I have. We, 
we we gotta we gotta reach out. We gotta reach out. We gotta help each other. We gotta do what it takes to make sure everybody's okay. I mean, do your own work is what I'm saying. Like, don't be afraid because like that powerful story Melanie shared with us. This person, I think you said you hadn't talked to in a long time, right? But you knew they had went through something similar. So that was a resource for you to acted on and you got help. So it's, it's, it's powerful reaching out for help. It's not too late. It's never too late and there's nothing wrong with it. So as we wind down and wrap up this amazing yet deep conversation, I want to leave the listeners with maybe two or three things that they can work on now. Let's say they're in a space where they're struggling with asking for help. So they're kind of in the thick of it. What is one or two words of encouragement or actionable steps that they can take right after they're done listening to the episode to move their situation forward? The first thing is to, number one, acknowledge. Acknowledge I need help. And then secondly, pray about it. Lord, who should I reach out to? Who should, and ask, you know, ask for guidance as far as who to reach out to, which person to call, who can I connect with? So, but the first step is to, to just acknowledge that's not a sign of weakness. That's actually a sign of strength. When you can admit and surrender and humble yourself and say, I need help. And when you're in that position, then you, it, it, it puts you in a powerful position. Then the next step is to ask um, pray about it or whatever, you know, whatever your religious is or whatever, just ask for direction on who I can reach out to for help. Jeez, Mel, that's, that's so powerful. How can I follow that up, Melanie? That, that, that's, that's the bomb.com <laughs> as they say, right, girl? What am I going to do behind that one? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true, though. So I'm going to just take from you and tag on it again and say acknowledge is the first step. But if you also want yourself an actionable item, I think in addition to that, once you acknowledge, maybe journal. Everybody got a piece of paper in their house, right? And, you know, as being a fashionista, I love clothes. I love trinkets. Everybody thinks we got to get this. I can't journal. I can't write my thoughts down until I get this bomb journal from on Instagram. Girl, why are you waiting to get that? Or maybe if the funds ain't there for that. Get you a piece of paper and write down, man, what's really going on with me? How am I feeling today? And then once you do that, then start maybe thinking about the closest person to you that you can share your thoughts with and say, hey, girl, you know, I need help with this. Who can you who, you, who do you recommend? Or maybe go see your, your pastor or talk to someone that you know has a good spiritual connection to the word or have been through things and get yourself a partner and say, look, I just need somebody to get me through this. So that's what I think is a good steps or a good step to start with. And, and to piggyback off of Camille, I just want to say, why is it so important to ask for direction and guidance and who to go to for help? Because everybody can help everybody. You got to be so careful who you share your, your things with, because unfortunately Everybody can't help you. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I can't just leave it at that. You just opened up just one more, 
one more piece. How do you determine who can help? Because remember, they may be in the thick of it. And they're much like all of us when we're in the thick of it. We aren't thinking clearly. Like, I don't know what to do. Because if I knew what to do, I would probably be doing it. So what are just some things that would maybe start with what are some things that are a definite no, as opposed to maybe developing what their yes person might be. What are some things that's a definite no in terms of finding the right person? Your, your, well, for me, your, your past interactions with that person, is that person a negative person? Does that person gossip? Does that person talk about everybody else? You know what I mean? Just your past inner, I think past experiences, it tells a lot on who, who, who you can go to. I know when I was going through, I knew off the rip. I said, okay, I can't call, you know, just based off of my past experiences. Um, and that helped determine who I know it helped determine who not to call. So. Absolutely. And, and I'll just piggyback on it. I know, again, the cliche term is acquaintances, but it's true. Some, some people in your life are acquaintances. They're not bad people. It's just that it's not, it's a real surface level. And that's probably not the person I'm going to go to. Oh, girl, you going to this, the white party tomorrow? Oh, see you there. That's probably not the person that that needs to hear this information. But maybe a confidant that, you, that has been there for you in the past. Maybe someone that you know has had experience with helping people with situ situations. Or a group of yours that's someone that's, uh, that's good verse with the Bible, or if you're not a religious person and that deep into it, you know, because I'm just speaking from my perspective because I'm a Christian. Some people's relationship is not that deep yet. Go to a, a good friend of yours that you have been able to trust in the past with some maybe some some deep thing. Like, I'm going to tell her how I'm feeling and see which, if she can lead me in the right direction. And I know this might sound dry like an HR rep, which I definitely am not in HR, but as they tell us at all of our jobs, you know, if we there's services you can go to, there's EAPs you can go to, maybe start researching some of that. Maybe you might want to start that relationship with a counselor if there is nobody in your life that you have to go to. That's my recommendation. And the one thing I would just add and Camille touched on it just now, is if you don't know anybody or you don't feel like you can make a good choice within your own personal network, don't be embarrassed or ashamed to go outside of that and go to a professional. I always say it's their job, just like the cashier at Target and Walmart and at your favorite store. It's their job to service you. It's their job to check out the person that you decide to talk to in that professional field. It's their job to listen to you. Don't be afraid to go outside of your own personal network if you just don't know how to choose. So again, ladies, I just want to thank you. I can't thank you enough for having this important, deep, yet touchy subject about just simply asking for help. And I, I hope that the listeners 
have gleaned all of the gems that you all shared from sharing your own personal experiences to giving some very actionable steps that they can use to help move their own situation forward. So thanks again for hanging out with me at the kitchen table. I will be right here again next week for another episode at the kitchen table. And I hope that you'll join me. So bye for now.